Welcome back to the Winging It podcast, how to build, maintain and totally own a career that you love. Every week I'm sitting down with an expert to help business owners and career women learn something new that will help them achieve success and balance in a career path that makes you happy. This week I'm sitting down with 28-year-old Angelica, editor-in-chief of About Time magazine, to talk all about running a business as a millennial, the challenges we face, making mistakes, imposter syndrome, and of course, how to achieve balance. If you're listening to this on your phone, make sure you get the best experience by downloading the Entel app. Entel is an interactive podcast platform that combines the best of audio storytelling with the richness of the web. So this means you'll be able to follow links, view images, follow people on social and much more by just tapping your phone. The music for this podcast is epic, I know. It's been provided by The Edit Album, a curation of copyright-free music for creatives. Our listeners get 25% off with the code SASSY25 and I'll leave the link in the description box or if you're listening on Entel, you'll be able to click the link now. Welcome. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. Um, This is going to sound super weird, right? Go for it. When I first started working in London, I had a food blog. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, I'm going to be one of those Twitter people. Like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to tweet, and like, I'm going to get into it. And I'm going to do it all the time. And I think you were one of the first people that I followed. Really? Yeah. That's quite funny. It's quite funny. Quite often, people come up to me at events, and they're like, oh, I think we know each other, and it, like their face literally rings zero bells in my head, and they're like, oh, actually, I think I just follow you on Twitter. It's quite weird. Cause sometimes people will look at me as if I'm like a mirage that's like come from Twitter into real life. She exists. Yeah. People, I can and like, I get PRs coming up to me on the tube. Like pitching me, it's quite intense actually. Not all. It's not like every day, but it happens <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I can only get Ubers because I'm so famous. No. <laughs> but um, yeah, no. But I am a prolific tweeter. You are, and every now and again, like my phone pings up and it's like Angelica says this, and I'm like, oh, it's okay. quite weird. quite a lot of people get notified about that. I don't know why. I tried to turn these off. Yeah, it happens no, with like no, a you're few not the people, only one. And I'm like, can like no offense, but I've got like, <laughs> a, I've got like a sticky name. Yeah. You, I always remember you. Used I to love t- Twitter. You used to tweet about like gluten-free stuff. Yeah, probably back in the day. It's a bit, yeah, I'm a bit less into that vibe now. A bit more <laughs> like, ugh, life. I also back in the day used to be social, sort of shiny with business. Everything was like wonderful and amazing. And I think the longer you're in business, the more you just have to let all the realities seep into your feed. And it's quite funny because yeah. I get quite a lot of people being like, oh, it's a bit depressing now. And I'm like, people don't want to see reality which is so strange no people should see reality they because, just want to see the shiny stuff yeah I mean if you want to start a business you've got to be honest about it so it's tough and not very glamorous a lot of the time uh, yeah so true I actually just had that conversation with someone <laughs> so I'm trying anything where I'm not introducing people because I feel like you could just introduce yourself so much better yeah I agree so can you tell us about yourself sure. who you are what do you do I'm Angelica aka Jelly I run About Time magazine, which is a London lifestyle website dedicated to finding everything that's about time you tried in London and beyond, whether that's London's best matcha latte or amazing reformer pilates classes. How many times have you said that? Um, oh, literally probably <laughs> about 10 today. <laughs> I was on the radio this morning, so I'm used to it. Oh. Um, so, and I also run the About Time Academy, which we launched in February, which is our platform for events in London. So we host weekly panel talks, masterclasses, anything it's about time we discussed. Oh, you see what I've done there. Love that. Yeah. Um, so yeah that, that we've been doing reader events for a couple of years but in a slightly less formal way so we decided um, early this year to kind of split it onto its own separate platform and website so we could dedicate a bit more energy into hosting events as a kind of separate entity which has been a fun learning curve that's super cool I yeah it is cool but it also means that I work day and night because events are in the evening and works during the day so it's, it's quite a lot and I'm trying to learn the new balance of that a little bit yeah so who are some of the people that you've had speak or like what kind of events have you done so we've far we've done all kinds um, everything from um, nutrition for mental health we had Rhiannon Lambert talking about how you can eat to boost your mental health which was really interesting yeah that is interesting we did a self-kindness masterclass with Shara Azadi author oh. of the kindness method which was about kind of getting out of negative thought patterns and unwanted habits and behaviours which was super interesting um, very relatable to most people most people have a couple of coping mechanisms um, when they're upset and she was talking about how we can kind of get better at looking after ourselves and being kinder so with things like that we've had lots of author events lots of entrepreneur events we've had Pippa Murray from Pippa Nut talking about starting a food brand so a real mixture love that mm. that's so nice um, I should definitely come to one of those I love stuff like that Yeah, we're actually hosting a festival um, in oh. September which we haven't really announced but I feel like by the time this podcast is out we probably will have done so I've always wanted to host a festival and I think um, 
to self-help for myself um I was always a bit nervous of what that entailed and it felt a bit overwhelmed by the idea of doing a festival and then this year I was like nope coming into it so we're doing it in September it's a one-day event from nine till six and it's a, a festival of the future of work for women so we're doing female entrepreneurs leaders um, creatives talking about their work um, how they like achieve success everything like that lots of different kind of talks and a couple of keynotes it's so amazing how many amazing events and like how much support there is out there nowadays yeah it for is people wanting to do what they want to do definitely I, I love it I also feel um f- a bit funny about it because I've been doing this for a couple of years and we hosted a, a festival of female entrepreneurship last March and then it feels like all of a sudden a lot of brands have jumped on the bandwagon of female empowerment and I feel like perhaps a little bit of lip service of knowing that it's pretty trendy at the moment to be kind of pioneering and supporting women um, and I think that it's amazing but it's also problematic and I think we should be a bit wary of what is actually empowering sure, us yeah. and um, in a practical sense like at the moment it feels like everything is empowering like is our deodorant empowering are our snacks empowering and the empowering thing it needs to have substance for me so that's really what we're trying to do with the festival is I want people taking notes all day long yeah. I want that networking to be real we're not just kind of um, glorifying a handful of women we're going kind of down into it and, and discovering all the kind of behind the scenes and actually trying to empower people yeah that's interesting because I think a lot of the time if you really think about a brand or a product or something if you think about really what their core beliefs are you know are they just putting a marketing spin on something mm. or is that actually what they believe yeah um and I think sometimes when we're consuming stuff we have to remember that mm. um I because also think a lot it, of information yeah, out there. and I also think it puts a bit of stress on people thinking of launching businesses that they also have to have that kind of social change aspect or they have to have that pressure to be kind of woke and empowering and like not everything needs to serve every cause yeah you know you don't need to like open a stationary brand that's empowering actually funny you say that because that's actually what I want to do but um <laughs> but you don't you, not everything needs to serve that purpose and I yeah. think it's okay to not try and tick every box when it comes to empowerment I do agree and I think when if you're starting a brand you really have to think about what you're why you're doing it for you and mm. for other people mm. rather than thinking you know this is what I'm doing and how can I relate it to something that's trendy mm, mm, definitely well I think it's become demonized to do anything purely consumer now it needs to be ethical it needs to be with soul with heart it needs to be empowerment um, but that doesn't actually suit every business and mm. every business model not every app can be non-for-profit not every clothes brand can give back proportions of their things and I think that's actually okay because we're putting too much pressure on people I think they're probably put off from starting businesses because they feel like they have to do so much and they have to you know have part of a greater good and social change yeah especially when you're targeting millennials because I think people think like millennials need good like Mm. we need ethical stuff we need sustainable stuff and everything has to relate back to that if that's who you're targeting when actually that's not the case yeah i mean to give a personal experience with about time we're a content platform we produce articles and we'll do lists of like top things to you need to eat in london this week and they won't all be healthy you know we'll have a couple of burgers in there or a few cocktails and we'll get quite a lot of like stick from people and feedback saying oh we've got we're in the midst of an um, obesity crisis and like how can you write this kind of stuff and i think that's a really classic example of like putting your wokeness on something that never really intended to be woke we never said we were a wellness platform we never said that we were going to try and bring about social change what we are is a content platform that provides information what you then choose to do with it is your choice um it's funny we've gone down this tangent this is on my mind at the moment is that i've always had this like slight fear that's developed over the last few years of the kind of feedback we get on social media because of the content yeah. we produce and people assume something about your brand that perhaps wasn't there is we're into wellness but we're, we're not a wellness platform or uh, we, we do thing. some vegan stuff but we don't do all vegan stuff yeah but everyone has different interests everyone has different choices and you know i think everyone just needs to kind of respect everyone's on their own journey as well like you know going for a burger once a week may not be your thing Mm. but you know going for but does that mean we shouldn't put a burger on ups no i love i mean i also actually (laughs) love the vegan burger honest burgers it's delicious but oh really it's so good it's beyond meat burger it's so good it's actually so good oh i tell you what i went to la two years ago and i had beyond meat yeah um at some swanky restaurant beyond meat's just gone uh, just ipo'd and it's insane like billion dollar over a billion dollar company now just from this actually maybe it wasn't that maybe have you heard of impossible burger could be impossible burger beyond meat is the one that's like super big right yeah yeah yeah. also nice um i think beyond meat's better when we went to honest burgers my boyfriend tried to send it back because he thought it wasn't vegan because it was that good 
No way. Yeah, he got the vegan cheeseburger and he keeps kosher, so doesn't he eat meat out. And he was like, sorry, I think you've made a mistake because it was so meaty. That kind of freaks me out though. Like, yeah, a little bit. What's yeah. in that? What <laughs> are you feeding pea, us? It's pea protein. Oh, okay. Peas. I know my vegan burgers. Like <laughs> <laughs> cool. So you started about time straight out of university. I did. One of the things a lot of us millennials, I hate using that buzzword, find hard when starting business is suddenly going from like steady income, set hours, um, epic social life to dealing with cash flow issues, becoming a social recluse. <laughs> because every penny is going back into the business. Um, obviously working really obscure hours um, mm. because your brain won't turn off sometimes. So how did you find this? Um, well, I think firstly, I don't think I ever had an epic social life. So that's a good starting point. Wow, um, yeah. <laughs> I, had a, I had a fine social life. Um, yeah, I, it, it is a challenge. I think it's it's less of a challenge on the actual time frame. Like I never struggled to find time to see my friends. I think the challenge is that mental switch off, like you said, is that I very often find myself having to be like, be in the room, be in the room, because my head's thinking about like that, that invoice or that email that I got or that thing that's happening. There is a level of connection when it's your own yeah. business that you just don't, I don't think you get when you're in, you're working for someone else. Yeah, like, cause you're always thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to be blanket about it. I'm sure you can care, but you don't care to this level really I think it's um it's your whole life it's like your baby it's your future it's all your hopes and dreams like bound up in a company sometimes I feel like I wish I could meet about time like I want it to be like a person that I like have brunch with because I put so much love into it is that weird <laughs> I'm very sleep deprived <laughs> but I really do I feel like I've put so much love into it that I almost feel like it's my friend yeah um and I find it really hard to switch off when I'm with my friends and I have to really make a conscious effort and my friends know it now and they're like get out of work like be here um, but that's difficult, and especially with partners as well. I think it's yeah. been a real benefit for me that my partner's also self-employed and he gets it. Um, I know a lot of people who run their own business and their partner's in, an, in a regular job and they find it annoying to talk about work like after work, um, which I get, but yeah, I totally he's, been, get that. he's been really supportive. He's been amazing. I mean, he comes to all our events. He like schleps goodie bags around and he does the guest list. The only oh, one he, he came to and then left was our hormone talk about women's <laughs> health. And he was like, I'm just gonna go to the pub and I'll come back afterwards, which I was like, fair enough. <laughs> that is fair enough yeah my boyfriend is also self-employed so I totally get that mm. but I mean it's one of those things isn't it when I think when you are running your own business especially at this age I mean I look on Instagram I kind of go on social media detoxes during the day I just log out of my personal one because mm. it's just unproductive use of my time but um you know like on the weekends or you know on the Thursday night I could be looking at my phone and I could see that someone's you know out for the third night in a row and it looks like they're having an amazing time in cocktails and I'm just like oh, I'm just sat on the sofa, just looking like shit, wearing my pajamas. <laughs> yeah. But like, that's great for them. And I'm like, oh, you know, should I be doing more of that? And then actually you're like, well, well like, it's kind of balance, isn't it? Do you actually want to? I think the thing with running your own business is very future focused a lot of the time. Like you said, you're on the sofa and that's probably because you think in the back of your mind, you're working towards a bigger goal or a bigger why. Yeah, sure. and Whether that's success, whether that's financial reward. And that is sometimes the struggle is to actually be in the present moment as well as planning towards goals. And I'm a big like goal setter and vision board person. But the, the challenge there is to really stay in the moment as well. Yeah. No, it is. Like dream big, but not so big that you don't realise what you're doing today. Yeah, exactly. And I also think, I mean, I've had to learn the hard way. I feel like when I first started out, my life was kind of like, you know, I just carried on as normal. And then I was like getting stressed out and growing and, you know, all of that stuff. And then the kind of social life slowed down. And then, of course, I moved out of London. So, mm -hmm. you know, I had less of my friends around. But then now, so for example, today, I'm up in London for three days. And now I'm up here for three days. I literally pack everything in like I pack in seeing my friends I pack in going out for dinner and like all the stuff that I miss mm. because I know that you know it's important to do that kind of stuff yeah definitely absolutely you gotta you gotta see your friends yeah you do um so one thing that comes up a lot with other women who have started their own business in their 20s is that um and actually we kind of just touched on this with the boyfriend thing, but I sometimes think that friends and families find it quite difficult to understand your choices and you know, it can be difficult to navigate around that. Mm. Have you, how, how No, you... I've actually had the totally opposite really? experience. Yeah, my family have always 
fact me actually and I've been super lucky in that I come from a family of people who've done their own thing which definitely helps my mum's a portrait painter so she's never had like a traditional job my uncle's um, runs various businesses my family have all had that kind of kind of self-employed entrepreneurial background which helps but I think if you really believe in what you're doing and you convey that passion to others then they will get behind you perhaps one of the harder things is if you have um, a job which you're leaving to go self-employed I think I had a benefit in that I did it out of university and I never really had a job and I imagine if I'd gone to my parents and said I'm going to leave for this thing that's kind of unknown and I don't really know where my next paycheck's going to come from they would have said are, you know, are you sure about this and do you really want to give up your salary if you ain't got a salary to start with then you're starting on a pretty neutral ground yeah, so that's, that's probably why they were as supportive as they were they said you know, give it a go and I'm five and a half years in and I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm fine now. Like, this is probably me for life. Um, but the, yeah, so that, that is a challenge. And I think it, I see this time and time again in our events. We get lots of young women coming through the doors thinking about starting their own thing, but they're scared of jumping from a full-time gig and a payroll. And um, that's the really scary factor for it them. It is scary. But also, like, to be honest, who cares what friends and family think? Like, they're not the ones that are doing your day job. And if you believe in what you're doing, you don't, you don't really need endless amounts of support you need a little nudge in the right direction but I think you've got to turn that off especially in the early days when you're quite malleable to people's um interest in your business and everyone has a kind of idea of what your business should look like and everyone has an opinion as well yeah oh you should go down this avenue you should be doing retail you should be doing this and you have to think no you know you have to step away from that quite a lot because it's confusing enough trying to work it out yourself um, especially when parents have different ideas because they're a bit older and different generations they don't really get what I do they don't really connect with it but that's fine I mean they know it's a magazine they don't understand that it's not print <laughs> okay so when I left my job do you want to do you want to know what they said I was doing so I worked in agency and I was going to uh, luckily I was going to work with Madeline Short for two days a week um, who's like a for people that don't know she's she has recipe books yeah. yoga teacher nutritionist um, all that stuff so I was going to work for her two days a week uh, which was fine but um, I had handed in my notice I said that's what I was going to do in my leaving speech they were like Lucy is leaving us today to start a blog and I was like no I'm not like what where did you get that from they were like we don't get what it is that you're doing I was like how do you not get that it's just so like it's so funny isn't it bizarre but yeah, some people just don't get it. No, They're like, absolutely not. I don't understand. What it, What are you doing? Especially <laughs> if you're a multi-hyphenate and you do lots of different things, which is my case, is it's quite hard to sum up what you do because it can be very varied. Yeah. And we are, my parents were the generation of doing one thing and having one income stream. And that's not the case for me. Um, so that's getting, you have to get your head around that as well. And that comes with its own challenges, you know? Yeah, it does. It definitely it's does. It's quite hard to like financially plan if you have things coming in from lots of different pots basically yeah it does I think that's probably something I need to get a little bit better at (laughs) um but I'm all up for the uh for the different income streams yeah I actually have I had a fairly similar experience I think to you I mean it's not been it's not been a bad case for me in terms of family and friends but I do know a lot of people that has been Mm. um and then they feel like they're alone because they can't talk about it to other people Mm. and I, I suppose that's the other thing is you know starting your own thing um, I guess especially when you started when I started I didn't know a lot of people that had kind of gone freelance or started their own business or whatever it is that they were doing yeah. um, and it was a fairly new thing so actually it can feel a little bit lonely at times Definitely. if you're not you know if you're not surrounded by people that um, have either had their own business or they are an entrepreneur or you know they are your age and understand what it's like to be an entrepreneur mm. or business owner at your particular age because they don't necessarily understand the way that you are going around things too so it can feel lonely absolutely the loneliness is huge like when you start out and it's just you and you've got an idea and you don't have a team like it's a it's a lot and I think that's often where a lot of people just fall down in that like first hurdle which is like how do you keep yourself motivated and positive if it's just you and that is really challenging but I think if anyone's going through that bit I'd say stick with it because it gets so much better and you build people into your network and you join co-working spaces and you get a bit of revenue but those kind of first few months even the first year or so it is really difficult and I think what really helped me was like reading enough books on the topic that people had gone through that or listening to podcasts where people are solopreneurs and that's often how businesses start you don't always start with loads of investment in a huge team and it's important to know as well that 
if you are feeling things like that, you're not the only one that does mm. feel like that. There's hundreds and thousands of people that feel like that too. Definitely. Also, the comparison point, like, it doesn't suit everyone to have a team. Some people are really, like, better suited to being really, like, successful freelancers who perhaps are, like, a one a one-man band and they are tight in what they do and they're professional efficient like being a manager of people is a whole job in itself and I think we have this this um, tendency to compare ourselves to others in terms of team size and think the success of a business is based on how many people they employ or how much money they've raised and it's just not the case you can be super successful as a solopreneur or freelancer um, and you, if it doesn't suit you, that's fine. I mean, I spend most of my week now managing people, and that's definitely not the kind of creative side of what <laughs> I was planning. You yeah, know? well, the, I mean, the further you get in, the more difficult it is to do the stuff that you love. Definitely. And I find it particularly an H- hard manager. to, like, push stuff over to other people, but, you know, unfortunately, it's just one of those things, mm. and every now and again, you can jump in and be a little bit creative if you want to, but... Yeah, you've got to stop being a perfectionist, basically. Yeah, basically, just hand that over. Mm to other people see you later so let's talk a bit about imposter syndrome because i feel like i mean it's a weird one some i very occasionally get imposter syndrome which for people listening don't know what it's about it's basically um when you feel like you shouldn't you know you don't deserve to be someone because you know you're feeling successful and you're thinking oh my god i'm sat in a room surrounded by podcast wires how what i'm i'm a phony like they've let me record in here Mm. for free Mm. this is amazing but like i don't deserve it that would be like imposter syndrome. So mm. do you ever get it? And So it's interesting. I did an influencer campaign with NatWest Business where they did a whole campaign around imposter syndrome. And they did all this research into imposter syndrome and they found these amazing stats like um, 60% of women were put off from starting their own business because they felt like an imposter. And there was all these stats around confidence, wow. which was so eye-opening. And they also found with funding, that was a big thing, is that they women were put off from going to raise investment because they were scared of the pitching process. Um, and they felt like that was too harsh. So like they found that crowdfunding perhaps would be a better route to go down for women. Um, what was most interesting for me that came out of it was that they found that imposter syndrome wasn't something that happens just in the early stages, like you know the first few months, but actually can happen just throughout your whole career. Um, it isn't tied to just launching. And that's something that I've actually really experienced is you can be like four years in and then have a month of just being like, what am I doing? Like, this isn't working or I just don't believe in myself anymore. And then it will pass and it does pass. I've definitely experienced it. I think it's usually triggered by something. So something going really wrong or an event not selling or some really bad feedback on a campaign. And it can send you into a bit of a spiral. It doesn't tend to just come out of nowhere for me. It it is triggered by an experience usually. I think for me that the kind of best antidote to that has been creating some professional networks. So like you said about finding other freelancers or other self-employed people, I've managed to kind of pick up people throughout my career trajectory who've been able to actually like talk to about this stuff because I think you only get so far talking to your friends and family. And like we said, like if they don't really connect with what you're doing or they don't really understand, then going to them with imposter syndrome, you know, it can get batted off. And what you really need is some people where you're allowed to talk about your career and they've also perhaps gone through some of the same stuff. So I try and create some some networks around me, like a couple of WhatsApp groups with some other women I know in London who've started businesses or are going through the same kind of teething problems. That's so cool. Yeah, I think it's important. I think also people are kind of scared of mentorship and networking and all this stuff and I think what I'd say is it doesn't need to be formal a lot of these people I picked up because we hosted a panel with them and then we added each other on whatsapp or I was at Soho House one day and we got chatting it doesn't you don't need to apply for a scheme if you don't feel comfortable with that you don't need to go for like a 10 pound speed networking event with like rubbish rubbish wine (laughs) I mean I've I've definitely been there in the past Um, and there's so much more cool stuff that's now happening in the female Mm, founder space that there's loads of kind of informal cool stuff that's happening as well I also feel like going this um, I mean I keep calling myself a woman of the internet sounds bizarre but um, I am a member of a few Facebook groups although they ping all the time on my phone so I kind of don't really look at them anymore Mm. Um, but also um, building a network I guess on your social media of uh, fellow people and I'm quite lucky because uh, because of the nature of my business I've got a lot of women who follow me and sometimes they come to me with struggles and then obviously I get to working with people and Mm. actually you know they call you up and go oh I'm feeling like shit today Mm. like and I'm like okay well I've been through that as well like let's work through this together and I think you know finding people on the internet can sometimes be 
yeah, help. Definitely, it can be amazing. Digital, I think digital communities can be really powerful, but I think we should just be careful to not um, overlook the importance of physical connection yeah. as well. Don't pull your eggs in one basket. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, this it, is it, the... you, sometimes you need someone to have a glass of wine with, you know. Oh my god, definitely. You just can't do that over the internet. No, I mean you can try. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could do, but it might be a bit sad. Yeah. Just sitting in front of your computer. I also think like one of the big conversations that seems to be happening on the internet at the moment is about women and money, and I think part of the reason that we're um, lacking behind talking about money is that these networks haven't existed in the past and then they're now coming to the fore but being able to talk to other entrepreneurs about like how much do you pay your staff like how much do you pay yourself what should I be charging for this like those are things that I often really early on when I was kind of 22 23 had no idea about and now I have Mm. like a few more people to go to other people that run magazines and it's really useful it is and it's nice to have trusted people around who you can ask questions like that to because I think typically in the past asking questions about you know how much do you pay your staff how much you pay yourself those kinds of questions Mm. people are like oh I don't want to tell you what my rates are yeah because you're you might Mm. take them and you know you do similar things to me that kind Mm. of stuff Mm. whereas actually you know it's counterproductive and there's a lot of people talking about you know empowering women on the internet and it's Mm. like well just in general life and it's like well you know you've got to empower each other and help each other out if you want to kind of mm. be part of it and make things work. Definitely, and also making sure it's equal. Um, I haven't actually spoken to anyone about this, but I feel like I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm happy to talk about it publicly, but we made a decision with our festival that everyone will be paid and everyone will be paid the same amount, which has been a really interesting experience because we've got okay. 30 speakers involved. They're all getting paid the same amount, um, which has been very interesting because lots of them have agents and managers and all the rest of it, and they're trying to negotiate on their behalfs. And we've literally sent the same blanket email to everyone, which is like, everyone is being paid the same amount. We can't go, we can't change that at all. Um, either they're or they're not and most people have been amazing but I think there is something very important about paying the same women the same amount the same women and men the same amount to do the same job yeah. um, so if we're doing a, a panel talk I've been on panels where I've realised that I'm paid less than someone else or I've been paid more and that's really problematic I think brands think they can kind of get away with whatever someone asks for so like we said about talking to people I've WhatsApp people I think that's saying, really cool it is cool. It's also funny because people have been really awkward about it. And they've been like, oh, okay, I'm fine. And the other thing is people have said, oh, I'm, I don't need a fee kind of thing. And they've said, no, 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 you have to have a fee because we're paying everyone and thingy. And it's it's funny. Some people just don't even want to need this. So the whole experience has been quite eye-opening for me. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, so some people cool. have gone like so ballpark, like, you know, like two, three grand. And we're like, that's not yet. No, we, we can't. That's like, not. Get, we'll get you an ad lee. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's that. the most I can do. That's not what this is. Yeah, but I think there is something in just being honest about all of that is that we're trying to do something a little bit better and something that is a bit more empowering i actually think also people can learn lessons from that type of thing because especially if you're going you know i want to be paid three grand and then you go well actually we're paying everyone the same and then it gets people thinking oh actually you know that that's actually fair Mm. that is fair and Mm. even even if i charged x amount you know it sounds like it's going to be a cool event yeah so amazing there you go a little bit of a behind scenes view Thank you. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about success because we've talked about imposter syndrome, but um, one of the things I find funny is that, and I, I can't even like getting the words out of my mouth is like really difficult for me. Someone said to me the other day, how do you deal with your success? And I was like, I don't feel successful at all. And that's not imposter syndrome, but that's because my version of success is not maybe what other people think it to be so my my version is success is like financial stability Mm. you know being able to being able to kind of support myself and do whatever I want to do um but you know when people say that to you and you're like but you you're you've got a totally different kind of view on success yeah um I also imagine that they thought you were suffering from imposter syndrome when you said oh I'm not successful or whatever I don't see it because that's probably what they thought I just went I went oh um, I was like, thanks, I guess. <laughs> well, at what point do we feel successful? <laughs> well, no, that's yeah. that's kind of my point is, you know, when does it stop? Because once you reach your version of success, there's always going to be something else. Um, and I guess where I'm going with this is the fact that I think, you know, with the internet um, and as women, we say it's hardwired into our mentality to kind of compare ourselves to other women and, and have this, you know, bitchiness, which... I have never had, I don't know, maybe I was brought up differently from a lot of people, but I tend to kind of distance myself from gossip and all Mm. that sort of stuff. Um, But, you know, there can be, uh, you know, you can find yourself comparing 
comparing yourself to others and going, they're so successful, I'm not successful at all. Um, so how, you know, have you ever experienced that or how, how have you dealt with people saying to you, like, you're so successful? Yeah, it's interesting. I think when I was a bit younger and people were saying to you, oh, you're smashing it or you're doing so well, I would feel quite bashful and a bit embarrassed and I'd always deflect it and say, oh, no, like, I'm not or it's just luck or right time, right place. And I realised that that kind of language is quite problematic and it looks a bit too self-effacing and a bit self-depreciating perhaps and it's not particularly helpful. So now I say thanks and I try and move the conversation along rather than trying to negate what they say. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because I don't don't think that helps your cause and I don't think that helps your self-belief particularly. So I try not to say luck anymore because I know it's not just luck. I know I worked really hard. And... um, I wouldn't exactly say I'm smashing it, but I, I think that we've put a lot of hard work into a project and that feels great. Um, the thing with success is I think that as much as possible, we should stop looking for external validation. We've become a culture that's a little bit obsessed with awards, raising investment, um, being on like these top 10 lists or Forbes 30 under 30. And I think actually success is a lot more personal than those kind of generic outside markers so I think it's quite important to think what does success look like for me and like you said yours is financial stability mine at the moment is be able to hire a bit more that would make me feel like we were on a good kind of momentum and, and trajectory so yeah get, get sit down with a pen and paper and say actually what does success feel like to me is that being able to set myself up for a really nice brunch like it might be small or success might be starting a family and having a job that provides a bit of income and yeah. you can work from home so allow it to be uh, personalised I think also allow them to be movable goalposts, I mm, guess. Definitely. Because, you know, as you get older, things change, don't they? Yeah, so. absolutely, absolutely. So, I want to talk about the word millennial. Mm. How do you feel about the word millennial? <laughs> it's an interesting one. So, like I said, I was on the radio this morning um, with uh, James Max, who's a great presenter, but he's um, a little bit of a millennial basher, shall we say. Um, in the you know, you, you know the type, just... Um, yeah. I think he's a fantastic presenter, but... Um, is kind of the school of thought that perhaps we're not working hard enough and um, we are like a little little pampered and indulged. And I can see it because I've seen how my friends treat work in a very different way to perhaps how my parents would have done. Um, But I think also we are quite personally ambitious in a way that perhaps generations before weren't, is that we are the purpose generation. Uh, We want to feel really fulfilled by our work. And we don't want to do things just for a paycheck. And I think that's not a bad thing. I do think that that has, does have the capacity to fall into wanting to have it all straight away. Perhaps not do some of the more boring hard work or yeah. being a little bit flaky. And we've got to be careful of that. But I think there's nothing wrong with personal development and wanting a job that you really love. Like, I just think that school of thought of doing a job... Um, to make ends meet is not it's not where we're at anymore people want to feel really fulfilled no it's not and you can see that because so many people are starting their own businesses or Definitely. doing their own thing becoming freelancers yeah we're also so much more enabled than generations before us because of technology like yeah. there is literally nothing stopping you from being a freelance graphic designer who works from a beach in Bali like there's nothing in your way anymore you can use all these apps all this software and you can have an amazing successful career and that kind of global freedom is very liberating and I think that's probably why millennials are seen as like let a bit like head in the clouds but actually it's totally possible yeah but it also means anyone can start a business which is like completely amazing yeah we have all these tools like you've got instagram to promote it or linkedin or whatever it is um you can set up blogs you can do anything e-commerce there's really very little actually stopping you now so someone actually said to me when i left my job they were like oh you're you're just such millennial like you just don't want to work for someone else like you want to you want to work your own hours and I was kind of well actually I don't think there's anything wrong with that and originally when I did leave my job I was thinking oh this is amazing I'm going to go on all the holidays like I am the keeper of the keys to my own diary yeah um which was amazing to me and you know in the first couple of years I kind of traveled extensively um maybe not working as much as I should when I'd gone traveling but you know such as life um and nowadays it's not it's a little bit less possible for me mm. um mm. in terms of you know the amount of work that I have and managing managing various different people um but have you ever found that people have put you in a certain box because of your age have you ever experienced that not particularly I actually think it's been a bit of an advantage I think okay. being a youngish female entrepreneur is is quite beneficial especially from a press standpoint is they're trying to 
create a new sense of what business looks like and more and more young people are starting businesses so I think it's actually been quite an advantage um, you can also play off your naivete, naivete a little bit I feel like we'll be a startup forever I'll just constantly keep launching new things so I can keep calling us a startup um, but you do get away with quite a lot being a young company and people yeah, I think so are willing true. to take risks on you a little bit more yeah. but I think also we have glamorised entrepreneurship a little bit and there's also absolutely nothing wrong with doing a job that you enjoy and leaving it at that like we have to be careful of this culture of workism where it's like you work for yourself you work around the clock you're totally flexible but actually you're kind of chained to that responsibility of being the master of your own ship and that doesn't suit everyone's mental health it's quite no, a lot of stress doesn't. and it's quite a lot of pressure and you know managing a team even I have a team of three and that's just a lot like if you think about it that's three people's salaries that's three people's um, livelihood they're their ambition their career goals all of that and I, I find that a lot and I don't think it's for anyone that perhaps is particularly sensitive or struggles with mental health it, it's not for everyone so it's totally fine if you just want to have a, like a happy job yeah like my best friend has a job she enjoys it and she leaves it at six o'clock and that's that and that's cool that's fine that is cool and a lot of people enjoy that like as in like I think we've really glamorized working super hard and I also think it's important to say that when you do work for yourself sometimes you have days when you're like oh fuck this like mm. I would much rather be going into an office, mm. working for someone from nine till six, leaving my job at six and not thinking about it until the next day. Yeah. But then I think, you know. Well, weekends are a classic example of that. We're like, whatever happened to my weekend? As if it's like free time anymore because there's that guilt hanging over you. It's your own thing. You should get prepped for the week. Oh God, I'm so glad that. you said that. Yeah, I don't have a weekend. I mean, I have, I have a bit of Saturday, but Sunday, I'm at my little home study, you know. I feel so guilty. When you're not doing work, in fact. And it wouldn't I... be fun to clock off on a Friday and know you were still being paid. Amazing. <laughs> Glorious. I I actually try to close my laptop at six, so I get clients WhatsApping and all sorts. So I try and like switch all of that off in the evening mm. um, just to get away from the screen time. And then obviously at the weekend, I love my weekends. Um, if I have stuff planned, great. If I don't, then you know, at, you know at some point, you're probably going to get the laptop out. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially last weekend. It's also like if you enjoy, <laughs> if you enjoy what you do. Oh my gosh, like yeah. I find it pleasurable, and I find it pleasurable to do it without emails coming through. So Sundays work for me. Yes, I love a bank it's holiday. No, yeah, it's nothing better. I love a bank holiday. When me, everyone like else an is ice off. latte and yeah. just a little bit of work. Oh, amazing, <laughs> love it. So, what are your thoughts on freelancers and outsourcing? Oh, interesting. Um. We have in the past, I personally feel like if you can get to a place where you can take people on part-time, um, it is potentially better. I think I'm a big believer in the whole team thing and I like working collaboratively. And I think the relationship with a freelancer is you're kind of outsourcing and they're doing a job and then that's it. And I like people to feel a bit fired up and motivated. So for me, um, a kind of good sustainable way that I've grown my business is taking people on part-time on day rates. So I have a couple of people that work two days a week and three days a week and are they um, are they freelancers the rest of the time or are they yeah they're freelancers the rest of the time right okay. so what i'm saying is rather than f outsourcing to a freelancer remotely if you can take someone on a kind of part-time contract i think that that's nice and it's beneficial and i i think it works for us because a lot of freelancers also want to feel a bit part of a team and it can get lonely yeah. so i think people are kind of overwhelmed often by hiring and there's nothing saying you have to hire full-time like you can hire at a rate that feels um sustainable to your personal business and what i quite like about it is if you feel like the wind is changing in your business plan you can kind of plug people into that a bit which has been really handy for us so i have an amazing head of events who works two slash three days a week and awesome. i've been able to kind of scale her up as as our events have scaled up so yeah that's kind of important i also think that's really nice and I haven't heard that point before because sometimes when you're working with a freelancer so for example um we hire freelancer like graphic design web developer blah 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 you know you give them work to do and if it's like spontaneous work like can you please just make this change it's like well actually I'm booked on another job mm, so I can't mm. do that for you today um and I think for some people you know you prefer to have it there like you know, I've got client work coming in and I need you to work on it. You're here for two days a week. And so I'm just going to plan it in those two days. That's when they do it. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it's nicer to know that you're going to get something done within mm. that certain time frame rather than having to wait, 
you know, going, oh, actually, when are they going to be able to fit that in? Because I don't know when mm. they're going to get it back to me. I once got some really bad business advice from someone who said, oh, you'll never motivate people unless they're full time for you. And I, I like literally everything I've done with about time has proved that totally untrue, that you can have people two days a week who are very fired up about your business, who really look forward to coming in and working for you. And you don't need to hire full time to get that sense of like collaboration. I actually think it's the opposite. I think if I... Yeah, I think so. I think you can get demotivated. Yeah, Yeah. you can get demotivated full time because you're like, well, I'm here nine to five, so like whatever I get done, I get done. Whereas if you're working part time and Mm. you're like, look, and if you're on a day rate, you're like, you've got to get it. There's really no yeah, you're more answerable because you want to keep the job and yeah, exactly. And I think also when you're on a day rate, generally speaking, you know how much time it's going to take someone to do something just from previous experience. Whereas you know, in a full time job, you kind of leave people to just crack on with whatever Mm. they're doing. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Have you made mistakes? And how do you deal with them when you do? Oh my God, I made so many mistakes. Um, that was kind of a backhanded question because I, everyone makes mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes, know. obviously. Yeah, I have made mistakes. I think, I think one of the most challenging things in what I do is it's a bit of a frontier industry with digital media where no one's quite sure where it's going. No one's quite sure how to fully monetize it. And I think kind of thinking on your feet is is the key to surviving in digital media and you in my time I've seen so many online sites um, go under like the pool and the debrief and for me it's been about being kind of flexible and agile but that comes with its own um, challenges because if we've gone down routes that just haven't worked out um, and things that we thought were going to be the future and then they just weren't so you can make some quite costly mistakes playing around with your business plan a bit too much I think I now have a sense of what's working and what's not um, but yeah definitely down the line I've, I've made mistakes on stuff like that um, but yeah I don't know I think it's um, I think also maybe I've made some mistakes just based on not having enough self-confidence to go into things. So I've worked for free a lot and I think I'm lucky to be in a privileged position where I can take work for free on. Um, but I, I, I've learned that most of the time you end up slightly resenting the person you're working totally for free for. So yeah, finding a boundaries with that a little bit. Like I think with events, it's kind of presumed a lot of the time that if you've been invited to speak at an event, then you don't need to be paid because it's like, great promo free marketing but like I've done 92 events the last two years like that I've hosted myself so opting into any more beyond that I'm now at a stage where I'm like (laughs) you know so understanding um, but I also I'm not particularly motivated by money and I'll do something if I like the sound of it I don't I don't know I don't I'd love to be one of those people that's like oh no I only get out of bed to do something but most of the time if I'm into it I'll just do it for free but that be a bit mindful of that a little bit because yeah. then I start resenting people. I mean, it's one of those things, isn't it? Sometimes you get presented with cool opportunities, and actually, if you feel right about it, you just got to go for it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm running a content site, we get these amazing opportunities and loads of travel stuff, but it'll often be with a brand. And I think something I've had to be a little bit mindful of as we've kind of grown in audience size is like, can actually we afford to do a trip with a brand where we're not being paid, but we're also like reviewing a phone or whatever? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting because I've seen so many changes with influencer stuff in my time. Because before I start, when I started, Instagram wasn't a thing. So kind of disclosure, working with brands or paying to work with brands just did not exist. And now the whole landscape has changed so much that we've had to shift with it and think, oh, you know, everyone thinks if you're working with a brand, you're being paid. So you better be, you kind of have to be paid. Yeah, I guess the other thing is, is that you know, sometimes cool opportunities are presented to you like very occasionally. Um, someone will email me and say like oh do you want this brand new phone and I'm like well it's not an iPhone and to be honest like my iPhone and my laptop are so like integrated together they just work perfectly I'm like I'm not just going to take a free phone Mm. that costs a thousand pounds just because I want to be like hey look they contacted me and said will you post a phone you know you've just got to kind of resonate with you Mm. you know if you are going to do stuff for free it does have to resonate with you in some way definitely like is your losing out on some of your audience respect worth like 400 quid no and that's that's what you have to come (laughs) yeah it has to come down to a little bit um you know you see these influencers doing campaigns with like Purcell and you're like come on no the worst one is like the teas that oh my god like skinny teas and stuff it's also just so like outdated now like we're so beyond diet culture but you say that and I think we are actually quite educated towards us in London especially Mm. but you know you go to other parts of the world Mm. I think someone in my office was drinking skinny tea the other day and I was like I was like what are you doing she was like what I was like 
you shouldn't drink that. That's awful. And then I like told her about it. She was like, well, I'm going to do it anyway. I was like, okay. Well, I well. feel like no one does uh, Weight Watchers or Slimming World anymore, but you go out of London and it's like absolutely oh, huge. Oh yeah, love that in Bournemouth, they do. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, it's... <laughs> so yeah, we do have to be careful with, um, <laughs> with understanding, like seeing the world as London-centric. So what's next for about time? What are you Ooh, working on? Okay, so festival is the main thing Amazing. at the moment. Yeah, it's a big festival. So it's going to hopefully, fingers crossed, praying to the gods of my vision board, that it's going to be 300 people. Um, that's the plan. Exciting. And we've coming. got, please come. We've got 30 speakers throughout the day. Um, it's a really nice mix of kind of personal development, career development, bit of wellness. We've also got like, um, yeah, we've got all kinds of stuff. Everything from a parenting panel to a social media panel to entrepreneurship and also some kind of wellness hormone stuff as well. So it should be a really good mix of that is so exciting. Of, of personal development. So that's on the 14th of September. So that's our big focus at the moment. And then just kind of keeping our, our heads above water with everything else. We have reader events that we happen a couple of times a month. So we've got those as well. Oh, so, cool. um, well, this podcast will be out and that will have passed. But let me think what's happening. Uh, we have an event with Olivia Wallenberg, founder of Livia's on um, um, soon about founding her business we've got an event with Sarah Tasker who is me and Orla on Instagram and she's like the UK's leading Instagram expert we'll be talking about how to build Amazing. your following so that's pretty cool so we've got lots of stuff like that coming up and you can find out about that on the aboutTimeacademy.com Amazing well we shall direct people there um, Okay this is a new question that I'm asking everyone in the series Sure I'm super into apps like phone apps mm. what is your favourite app like one that you couldn't run your business without oh and it can't be social media mm. interesting okay so i wasn't anticipating the business question can i do two yeah okay so the first one is non-business is moody month oh so great so okay, it's a um it's a period tracking app okay like a hormone period tracking you put in your cycle details so when you had your last period and then it tracks your cycle for you and it's unbelievable and it feel like it's changed my life because every day of your cycle it will tell you where your hormones will be at on that day and that has these expert tips section where it will say this is what oh. you'll probably be experiencing today this is what you should eat <laughs> oh God, I need that. so I went on today and it said um, you need some more omega-3 today for where you're at in your cycle and you need some green leafy vegetables and it also said you may be feeling x and y which I was and all my team are using it i feel like the next thing is they need to sync it to each other so you can like whatever check each other's i even i got my boyfriend looking at it and you can log your your symptoms so you can kind of see where you're at so if you're feeling particularly tired you log it in so presumably you can look back over the moody month moody month and i really enjoy it but i think i enjoy it on a personal level but i also enjoy seeing the boom of femtech I think it's such a cool, exciting space that now investors are getting behind Femtech and we're having this amazing expansion in businesses that are helping women through technology. So that's why I'm partly into it as well. Just amazing. all hail the Femtech. And then on a business level, oh, it's really standard, but probably QuickBooks and PayPal. They're just, uh, you know, you've got to... Really? Yeah, I know it's so standard, isn't it? But you've got to have those um, payment on the go stuff. So... QuickBooks I use for all of our accounting. I feel like it simplifies I everything. I was into QuickBooks, but only because someone told me to be into QuickBooks. Mm. And now I've moved to Xero. How are you finding Xero? Um, it's a little less modern. Mm. Mm. Um, and I hate bookkeeping. <laughs> I, I mean, I also hate bookkeeping. Uh, I think QuickBooks <laughs> has really taken a lot of the fear out of it for me. I used to literally dread the day when my returns were due and then I have sent to my accountant with so much dread. And now I feel like I have a sense of how it works a little bit more. I don't think you need to understand bookkeeping through and through. You just need to get the basics down. The only thing I would love for these apps to do, like QuickBooks and Xero, would be when you start it up, give you a proper guide through everything this is how you do yeah. because I don't think you know you can go and look up their tutorials and stuff but when I was using QuickBooks I had no idea what I was doing I was like okay I'm just going to press these buttons and hope that it's fine and now I'm using Zero. I've got this receipt bank thing on my phone I can take a picture and it like automatically uploads everything I wasn't doing any of that before so mm. now I'm pretty much paperless whereas before I wasn't really sure how I was doing things yeah it's yeah not, Paperless. Yeah, boxed receipts at home kind of vibe. Yeah. I also I mean, use Tide. I do still have that. Yeah, I do, I do as well. I sent the whole box to my accountant. Um, I also use Tide, which is a great business banking card. Oh, yeah, I've really heard about good. this. I'm waiting for them to do the QuickBooks integration. That would be like a game changer. At the moment, oh, they don't integrate. Cool. But it's pretty cool, and you can get like a breakdown of everything. It's a bit of like a business monster. I'll tell you who talked about Tide. Someone was on the podcast, a last series called Ben from Cone Accounting. Mm -hmm. um, they're like an accountant for creatives. They're really, really cool. But he was talking about various different kind of 
cards that you can get for business and he talked about Tide yeah Tide is good it is really good and it also it's good for travelling because you don't get charged on it it's pre- oh it's yeah I love all card. these cards oh, I love the them all it is the future online banking okay so last series I used to do tip of the week and I used to do it but mm-hmm. I just feel like you know I'm running out of tips now so I would like you to do it oh okay at the end of every episode I usually give a motivational or inspiring tip of the week so what's your like favorite quote or like a tip that you live by okay so i wouldn't say i live by it but we did an event last week with shara Rosadi from the kindness method the book that she wrote and she's um, a kind of personal development coach and she said that you need to diversify your coping mechanisms so people often have one thing that they turn to when they're particularly stressed or upset so whether that's alcohol whether that's food it could be exercise could be like a person you know one person like a boyfriend and she said where coping mechanisms become problematic is when you just have one that you rely on and you have to diversify them and that's really stuck with me because it made me kind of analyze how I was dealing with things um, especially work stuff and now what I try and do is vary the things that I do to feel a little bit better so I try and walk as well as have a glass of wine and I try and go to yoga at the same time (laughs) eat some chocolate yeah I try to do it all at once Um, because I was also just turning to things like lint 70% which definitely does the job and they're pretty good but you need to have a diversity and she was saying you know for me it's as problematic having a bath as having a glass of wine if that's the only thing you do so you know baths can be dangerous apparently but I think that's important and pretty sage advice for anyone is is make a diverse list of things that really support you I love that because mm. are you thinking about the like couple of things that you do yeah so well I'm actually fortunate enough to live by the beach so either in the morning like at sunrise and summer is my favorite time to do this because um by the time i get well actually not right now but you know when the clocks went forward or just before they went forward if i went down to the beach i'd manage to catch the sunrise so i go to the beach at like i don't know seven in the morning you get the sunrise it's amazing but now in the evenings in the summer i like to go down to the beach at like 7 30 8 o'clock the kind of the sky is going a little bit different take a little dog down there Makes me feel good. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah, no, I'm just on like the Jubilee line. Like, sweaty and it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> that was me I do live in North London, though, there's a couple of parks. Oh, well. But I don't really want to go to park after work. Perfect. Well, where can we find you online? So you can find me at Jelly Malin and at About Time Mag on all platforms. And we're abouttimemagazine.co.uk and About Time Magazine. Sorry, abouttimeacademy.com. Lovely. And if you'd like to follow Sassy Digital, we are at Sassy Digital, or you can follow me at Lucy Hitchcock. Lots more tips and tricks. Thanks, Lucy. Thank you so much for coming on today. It was a pleasure. If you're enjoying winging it, I would love you to leave me a review. And of course, any feedback is welcome. Just message me on Instagram at Lucy Hitchcock underscore. And don't forget to subscribe because we have some awesome guests coming up.